In a world full of heroes, we forget is the villains that dress well. This is Revenge Dress. I'm Sergio, creative director and the mind behind Eonte. Today is a solo episode that I like to call Closet Talks. My wardrobe is black and white, but not everything in life can be. So let's walk into my closet, shall we? First things first, let's just go ahead and set the stage, go down trip, you know, down the memory lane for some of us, right? I was four years old when this happened and some of you were not even born, but a lot of you know this person. Let's just think of the 90s, 1994, Princess Diana. She's going to the Serpentine Gallery summer party and she's wearing a dress that is forever going to be known as revenge dress, the revenge dress. And the reason for that is she was having public scrutiny this entire time. The paparazzis loved her. But at the same time, I believe it was the day before that it was all over the media, the press, that her husband was cheating on her, Prince Charles. And instead of Diana taking that moment and letting it overpower her, she decided to control the narrative. And she wasn't supposed to wear that dress. She was actually supposed to wear a different dress, but that dress was leaked by the media. And that created, I'm sure, for the stylist, (laughs) spiraling. I can just think about it, you know? (laughs) What are we going to do? And she actually purchased that dress three years prior, and she never wore it because it was too revealing. uh, It was too sexy. It was too daring. And something that a royal at that time wasn't allowed to do or be. Now, if you see their pictures, that's not who they are. And she decided to wear that dress. It completely changed the narrative. She decided to start controlling the narrative, reclaim her own story, her own person. And we may not have all these royal titles or paparazzi following us around, but that doesn't mean we can't take a page from Diana's playbook. I mean, our lives present ourselves with countless opportunities to express ourselves through fashion, whether it's a job interview or social gathering or just a stroll in the park. Our outfits can speak volumes, but how can we leverage the revenge dress concept to make a statement? And I feel like that's one of the questions where we need to start paying more attention, especially on how we dress. So what exactly is revenge dressing? It's something that um, I like to do on a daily basis when I'm getting dressed for whatever reason I try to keep that in my mind. It's almost as if it's a state of mind, I'd say. So it's basically just the intentional act of using your outfit to make a statement. It's basically to seize control of a narrative and it helps boost your confidence. And it's it's not about turning heads and it's not about seeking revenge, but it's about seeking self-confidence on a world where we are always being told that we're not allowed to wear this, we're not allowed to do this, we're not allowed to be this. I've worked in the fashion industry for the past 10 years of my life. And I mean, I've spent countless hours working in photo shoots, styling photo shoots, being an assistant, even a photographer, I've done it. I do love the whole atmosphere of being there and even creating my brand, which is Eonte. But I have always felt that I was making everyone's plate of food and I didn't get one for myself. I never felt worthy of sitting at the table, if that makes sense. But after many therapy sessions, I mean, when I say many, I mean 
still going strong. We still have a lot to go. But um, I started to notice that although I've always felt fashion was for everyone, I've always made my brand a brand that fashion was for everyone. But it wasn't for me. My own brand, my own home, my own safe space that I created for myself wasn't for me. And that's when I decided to change gears and really understand to bring my own chair if I have to, to sit at this table. We can think about it that the fashion world, it probably still excludes me. And it's the microaggressions that I'm talking about. It's the fact that I'm short. It's the fact that I'm fat. It's the fact that um, I am maybe too feminine or maybe not femme enough. Or maybe because I'm too masculine, because I have a beard, because I don't look what you think a fashion person will look like. When I say microaggressions, I'm really talking about the you're in a photo shoot, let's say, and I hear the client saying, can we make sure in post, when we talk about post, we're talking about the um, editing of the photo afterwards. Can we make sure in post, we just smooth out her legs? Or can we make sure that we take the freckles off? I've heard that before. <laughs> or can we make sure that um, we can smooth out the skin? And it may not be for me at the moment. And the model's probably not hearing this, but I'm sure sh- you know she or he hears these things. But I'm talking about the, the fact that I'm hearing the, these conversations and it's not about me, but you start questioning yourself. You start looking yourself in the mirror more. And you start seeing things and you start, okay, maybe I would only look good if I'm, if I'm being photoshopped. The only way that I'll have a seat at the table is, is if I may, I'm being photoshopped. So it's really hard to navigate in the fashion world and not feel either judged or feel like you're not part of the crowd or you're not part of the bubble that has been created with a very European colonized version of what fashion should be for everybody. And if we're going to talk a little bit about the psychology of revenge dressing, it's basically a form of self-expression, right? And we consciously choose outfits that make us feel powerful. It helps us stay in control. It gives us a really profound mindset. It's basically a visual language that communicates resilience and self-assurance. And although most of the time I don't feel confident, that's very like personal for me to say this, but most of the time I don't feel confident because of outside circumstances, not because of who I am, but because of, of these microaggressions that we don't see normally, that it causes this, this feeling that whenever I get dressed for whatever outfit, like for instance, yesterday I went to have dinner with my husband and I was wearing a crop top. And I wasn't self-conscious at all. And it was such a good feeling to know that I was wearing a crop top and I had no no self-conscious that people was looking at me weird. Even when I raised my arm and my belly would show or anything like that. It's, it's such a different moment when you start controlling your narrative, when you start controlling the way you feel and how about how you dress. I do like the perception and the theory of cognitive fashion and more what the item, the actual piece of clothing means to you. Uh, just a basic example, you know, a lab coat. There's studies, studies where you would wear the lab coat and it would make you feel smarter. Or it 
if you were the exact same lab, co- lab code as a painter, you would feel more creative. It's almost as it has the same concept when it comes to wearing clothing for me. And that's when I decided to pivot, not just my mindset, but my brand as well. I wanted to be more inclusive. I wanted to have myself be part of the brand. A lot of the times we hear, oh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't put ourselves in the brand. But who am I designing for? I'm designing for a problem that I have. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that has this kind of issue. So dressing for confidence. If we're going to talk about dressing for confidence, and like I said earlier, it's not about seeking revenge. We're not here to <laughs> incite any violence. That's not the point of this. But it's how we present ourselves and the world can influence how we feel about ourselves, right? So believe in dressing well, it's basically the fuck you to society. Do we all remember that iconic scene from the movie The Divorce Prada where Emily asked Andrea if she's wearing the Chanel boots and she goes, uh-huh, I'm wearing the Chanel boots. That was the scene where Andrea changed the narrative of her story. Just a side note, there's going to be a lot of comparisons in this podcast about the Devil's Prada, because I feel like that movie for the fashion enthusiasts and also for people that don't understand fashion, but want to understand fashion, that's a movie that will really explain to you how the fashion world works. Even in today's day, we talk about how fashion has evolved so much, but from that movie till now, I feel like it has opened the possibilities, but that bubble still exists that bubble still very much in control of fashion. But that scene, it was basically her Diana moment. She started to control the narrative at that point. She started to be seen. She started to be taken seriously by Miranda. And that was the moment where she started to control. And I'm not saying that that was a moment where she changed her personality or she changed who she was. She was still Andy. But she understood that she needed to control her narrative and not let anyone else do it for her. And the good thing about that movie that I love so much, you can watch that movie. I've, I've lost count how many times I've watched that movie, but you can watch that movie so many times and you can see different villains every time. And it's just perspective. Depending how you watch, you can see how her friends are the villain, her boyfriend, Emily could be the villain. Miranda could be the villain. The actual fashion industry could be the villain. So you can really, really watch that movie and from different perspectives. And I love how that's really part of the idea that I created this podcast because it's all about being a villain, but it's all just a different perspective. And although some of us may think we're above fashion, we're really not. There's a scene where And he goes crying to Nigel while he's going through the pages of the magazine. And he goes, would you like to get a gold star? No, sweetie. (laughs) It's something like that. And I just think it's so funny that she's not going to kiss you goodnight on the forehead. And he says that fashion, I'm paraphrasing what he says, obviously. But he says that this magazine has created something bigger than art. Because you live in it. And that's what fashion is. We live in it. Every time we decide to go out, we're making a subconscious decision to communicate by the way we dress. We may not like it. We may not think we're doing it, but we're all doing it. And that speaks volumes about who you are. And it's fine. If you're not a person that that likes, you know, to communicate, 
or don't really care, I guess you can think you're above fashion, but you're still part of the system and you're still part of being in the fashion world. And I think it's really important for us to start learning how to control our narrative in fashion because fashion, like I said earlier, it's basically who we are. And once we have control of it and we learn how to play the game, you start causing commotions and you start, you know, bringing things to the surface about yourself. You start learning about things about who you are, things that you like, things that you don't. I can definitely say that it has helped me be more assertive about a lot of things in life. It has helped me be a lot more confident when I'm out in the streets and I'm wearing, um, sound like I'm out in the streets, but, <laughs> but when I'm actually out with friends or even if I'm going somewhere, I look forward to getting dressed and actually going out instead of canceling my plans like a good millennial that I am. So instead of canceling my plans, I use fashion as a tool. And I'm not saying to use fashion as therapy because it is not therapy. It's therapeutic, but it's not therapy. So definitely try <laughs> therapy first before you start thinking that fashion is going to change your life. But um, fashion and revenge dressing, it's a way of you learning how to have self-confidence with yourself. And I believe that once we start having more confidence, we start changing a lot of perspectives that we have about ourselves, a lot of misconceptions that we've created about ourselves and who we are, because it does something to you. So if I have to say anything, you know, as a final thought for this episode, it's time for you to start controlling your narrative, whoever you are and whatever you're doing, it's time for you to start looking into yourself and start feeling that whatever decisions you make, people would do regardless. Everyone will always be there looking at you. Some days you'll be a hero. Some days you'll be a villain. But at the end of the day, you always have to go home to yourself. So if you feel like wearing that outfit, go ahead and put it on. Well, I think this is the end for this episode. But before I go, I have two things. First, I want to know, how does your style speak when you're silent? And if you made it all the way here, head to revengedress.co to download our style guide. And I think it will empower you and it might just change your point of view with your closet. And if you liked our episode, don't forget to follow, share, and give us five stars. It helps us grow as a small brand and reach more people like you, where we can connect and build a community that sees fashion with a different perspective. Revenge Dress Podcast is empowered by Eonte, where dressing for yourself is a state of mind. Follow at Eonte and at revengedress.co on all social media platforms. Ciao!